Welcome to the Zion Church Podcast. We are a church that is passionate about bringing heaven to earth by following Jesus, who demonstrated perfect Christianity. We hope you are blessed by this teaching from our special guest. So, I I don't even remember how I first met Pat, but uh, I have been so blessed to get to know this brother. Uh, he has such an incredible testimony, which I believe is going to be sharing some of that today. And he just carries the joy of the Lord. And uh, and you, you watch, he will just get the Pat Holy Ghost giggles as he speaks. And brother, you are just such a joy to me. You are so refreshing. And his passion for Jesus. And uh, you, I don't want to steal his thunder, as I said yesterday, but he's got some incredible testimonies about things God's done in him, and even just recently, things that he's seen the Lord do just in these last couple of weeks uh, down in Canberra as well. So I'm super excited for him to share that. But bro, why don't you just come up the front, and we'll do what you asked people to do for you yesterday. So we both do a lot of speak teaching at YWAM, and uh, at y- look how short I am. I'm like this next to Pat, like he's up there somewhere. Um, and at YWAM, before you teach, they always get a student to come out and pray for Pat. So I'll be the student today. I'm listening and learning. So Father, we just thank you for Pat. We thank you for his heart. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that you have anointed him and appointed him, Lord God. And we just receive him today as Zion Church. We receive him you know, into our lives, our family, Lord, and we receive him on the Gold Coast. We thank you, Lord, that this is a LZ for him and for everything that you place within him, Lord. We're ready to learn, to receive it right now. So we bless him. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak through him and minister through him to us today mightily in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Ah, so glorious to be with my Zion family. Thank you, Josh and Elise, for having me here. No, I'll be I'll be all right. I'll just I'll just wander around a little bit. That's cool. That's cool. So good to be with you all. Smiling faces. Is that you, Mitch? Bro, what has it been like twenty years? Wow, come on. Come on. Wow. Praise the Lord. I'm so excited to be here. So excited uh, for Zion Church and all the Lord is doing in this place and all that the Lord is doing in this area. I just went and got a coffee in the in the main street there before the service and I was like, oh man, we could have some fun here. Like this is going to be so much fun. Like you guys are in for a wild ride. And I'm, I'm like excited to be here now, but I'm excited to like keep on coming back and being a part of, of what the Lord is going to be doing in and through uh, Zion Church in this place. And uh, I've got a couple of testimonies I wanted to share, but I've also got a, a scripture and we might just start there because Jesus is awesome and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And the Bible is holy spirit inspired from genesis to revelation it is him like he is the word become flesh and i had this this scripture it's actually been like a word that the lord's been speaking to me a lot about but i I sent it in a text message to josh a few weeks ago uh it might have even been on the day of of the launch i think um that the lord just just was like, you need to send that verse to, to Josh. And I don't know if this is part of your vision. Maybe it'll answer your question, brother. But, uh, but Psalm 97, uh, if you've got your Bible with you, open to Psalm 97. If you've got ESV, even better, because we'll be reading the same thing. Uh, but whatever translation you've got, that's glorious. Uh, but I just want to start here, Psalm 97. And I just want us to get this, like all the testimonies that I'm going to share today, the worship ministry that we're going to do later on, it all ties into this one verse here. Psalm 97 verse 1, the Lord reigns, say after me, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, let all the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Repeat that after me. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. 
on, fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries. Come on, this is the God that we serve. <laughs> this is the God that we serve. He's not just a name in a book. This is the God that we serve. He's the real deal. And, and fire burns up his adversaries. It goes before him. Wow. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. This is my favorite part. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Mountains melt like wax in his presence. <laughs> whatever situation, whatever circumstance you came in here with today, what chance does it stand in the presence of the Lord? Mountains melt like wax before the Lord. When I first, when I first got this, I was, I was in, a, in a worship session with, um, with some of our youth and I just saw like, it was like chocolate melting in a, in a you know how you melt chocolate, you don't just put it in the saucepan, you gotta put it in like a glass bowl and then you put the glass bowl in the saucepan and then the saucepan's got water in it and you kind of like heat it up slowly and it just like, like it, it melts slowly, not too fast and but this chocolate just melts and that's honestly, that's what I felt like in the presence of the Lord. I just got this revelation that I was like, uh, it was melting like chocolate in this, like just this slow melt in the presence of the Lord. But you know, all of our problems, anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever it is, what chance does it stand in the presence of the Lord when mountains melt like wax at his presence? Like this is, this is, in, this is in the Bible, guys. Like this is our God. This is the God that we serve. He's awesome. Mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're here today, God. You're here with us. We don't want to do this without you. <laughs> uh, we don't want to do this without you, Lord. Lord, would you come and have your way, Lord? Would you come and have your way, Lord? Come and have your way in my heart. Come and have your way in my life, Lord. Your word says that you'll give us the words to speak when we need to speak them. So, Lord, I, I just thank you. You've given me you've given me a bit of a guide for today, but Lord, if you have another plan of where you want to go, Lord, I just give you the reins, Lord. You can you can have your way. Have your way here in this place. This is all about you. You are the way. You are revival. We can't have revival without you. <laughs> Come and have your way, Jesus. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit, in this place. And so I said before in worship, like, Jesus is awesome. Like, I've got this shirt. It's like, um, it's like the Marvel characters. Like, all the Marvel characters are on there, and Jesus is, like, sitting around with the Marvel characters, and he's like, yeah, that's how I save the world. And, um, but like Jesus is like the superhero, like all the other superheroes are just made up, but Jesus is the actual real deal superhero and he has a signature move and that signature move is taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it around for good. It's like one of those, um, I don't know, like, um, like you one of those uh, in some movies and stuff like that, it's like they, they've got like a force field and like if they get hit, then it actually charges their suit. And then it takes the, the energy from the hit that they just received and it turns it around and, and fires it back at the enemy. And that's kind of what God does. It's like, you know, he's, he's come at us in different ways, but like in every situation, in every circumstance, he takes what the enemy meant for evil and turns it around for good. And the three testimonies that I feel to share with you tonight or this afternoon, it's kind of still early, isn't it? It's nighttime in New South Wales where I'm from and where Mitch is from. I can't wait to catch up with you, bro, because like I'm just blown out that you're here. <laughs> it's awesome. It's good to see you. But 
The first one is my personal testimony. Like some of you I recognize, but a lot of you I'm just meeting for the first time. So I thought it'd be good for me to share a little bit of my testimony, where I've come from. Mitch knows, Mitch knew me when I was messed up. So, uh, and sort of starting to get my life back together, I think. So uh, he can testify to, uh, to where I've come from and, and where I am now. But I got addicted to drugs pretty young. And, uh, and got pretty messed up. Uh, by the time I was 17, I had to have the lower and middle lobe of my right lung removed. And you'd think I would have given up smoking after that. <laughs> but I was messed up. I was, I was broken. I was hopeless. And to be honest, I really just couldn't even face the day without trying to numb the, the pain of it all. And uh, so I finished school, uh, got a job up in Sydney working as a chef, and I was working hard and partying hard. You could probably say I was a functioning addict. And uh, then I got addicted to this drug, which back then was called crystal meth, and now we know as ice. And ice derailed me very, very quickly. I, I unraveled, I lost my job, I lost my flat, uh, and it just, it just destroyed me. I, I ended up living on the streets of Sydney and uh, throwing up blood, throwing up black stuff. Um, I went into a hospital and they basically said, your other lung is completely destroyed. There's nothing we can do for you. We can't give you a transplant because you just, you're a smoker and you're going to ruin it. And so they sent me home. They sort of stabilised me and sent me, sent me home, but I didn't have a home to go to. I, I, I basically destroyed every relationship that I had. Mitch knows my parents. They're, they're, you know... Um, there's a home there, but I, I'd, I'd broken the relationship with my parents um, through through me being, you know, just horrible. Uh, and so I really felt like I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't really have friends to turn to because I'd broken those relationships as well. And so I tried to take my own life and uh, couldn't even get that right. That's At the time, that's what it felt like. I can't even get this right, but, you know... Praise God, I survived, and, and uh, three times in one week I tried to take my own life. And then after the third attempt, somehow I woke up on, uh, on the floor of a hotel in Wollongong. I have no idea how I got from Sydney to Wollongong, but I wake up in Wollongong at Piccadilly Hotel, Mitch would know that, it was pretty messed up back in the day, and I wake up there and this girl tells me that Jesus loves me. And I'm like, get away from me, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't believe in God. And she was like, but Pat, he's, he's set me free from addiction. Like I knew her and she was addicted. And three weeks early, she'd had an encounter with the Lord and, and he'd set her free from addiction. So she starts trying to tell me her testimony. And I'm like, get away from me. I don't want to hear it. She's like, uh, come to church. It was a Sunday. She invited me along to a service like this. And I'm like, if I walk into a church, I'll catch on fire. Like, it was like full on manifestation. Like I was the worst reaction to a Jesus loves you ever. If you've ever done evangelism and had like a bad reaction, like times it by a thousand, that was me. Like I was full on screaming at her. And so she left because I was screaming and I was left sitting there thinking, why would I catch on fire if I walk into a church? Why, why am I afraid of a God that I don't even believe in? And in that moment, I believed. In that moment, I believed. And the moment that I believed, I experienced his love. His presence just hit me and, and I was undone and overwhelmed just by this love that I'd never experienced before. And I thought, if God is real and he really loves me, then maybe he can help me. And so that night, uh, to cut a long story short, I, I ended up at the church and everything, but to cut a long story short, that night I, I cried out to God in the only way that I knew how, which was basically in a ball on the floor <laughs> with tears and snot and it was messy, just crying out and saying, God, help me. And that night he set me free from addiction, completely free from addiction. I went to put, come on, let's give the Lord some praise because he's good. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from addiction. 
And I went to put an unlit cigarette in my mouth and, and started dry reaching just at the smell of an unlit cigarette. And I was like, God's made this like repulsive to me. Um, and so that's what I thought at the time. But then a few years later, uh, I had scans done in my lungs and the doctor said, we can't explain this, but you have two perfectly healthy lungs. And so now I know that it wasn't because I, uh, it wasn't because God had made the cigarette repulsive to me. It was as if I'd never smoked a cigarette before. Like if you've ever smoked a cigarette for the first time, <coughs> like the first cigarette, like um, you kind of cough and choke and things on it. And that's what it was like. It was like I'd never smoked a cigarette with those lungs before in my life. I'm a walking, talking testimony of the miracle working power of God to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to completely take away addictions and, and uh, any form of oppression that the enemy wants to throw at you. So he healed me. He set me free from addiction. He saved me. He set me free from sin and gave me a whole brand new life. That's how good he is. And uh, that was 20 years ago. It's, it's pretty wild, and it's been about that long since I've seen Mitch. It's 20 years. It's, uh, a lot has happened in between then and now, and it's been just the most wonderful ride. <laughs> it's, it's honestly like following Jesus is the absolute best. You know, going around and, you know, sharing that love that I've received with others. You know, it says we love because we first loved us. And so what I received that night, now I can freely give to, to others everywhere I go. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And so the second story that I wanted to share with you, and I'm just going to like put these stories out there and then it's, and then it's all going to kind of come, come together in the, in the mix. Uh, but the next story I wanted to share with you was going down to Canberra. Uh, a few weeks ago for the Freedom Convoy and uh, sort of went down there and it was it was a bit of a mixed bag like there was a lot of Christians down there uh, but there's also like some rogue elements Josh and I were talking about it this morning you know there's a lot of new age stuff and and uh, there was this this freedom camp the epic camp and uh, we were going we weren't staying there but we would go there each morning for this prayer meeting uh, and it was powerful, like really, really powerful. I took some photos, but what I didn't show in the photos was behind us there was Reiki and there was like people getting massages and there was all sorts of like new age stuff going on in this same warehouse. But then over in this corner, there's like 50 to 100 Christians like on their knees crying out to God with tears pouring out their eyes. And it was the most fiery prayer meeting that I've ever been a part of. There was this desperation that I haven't seen before in the prayer meetings at my church or even in my house. I was like, so convicted like coming into this space. That was probably one of the last things that I expected to see in this camp was a bunch of Christians on their hands and knees crying out to God. And, and it, was, it was powerful. There was this young guy there, Charles. He was praying and just moved me so much. Um, and so... It was just beautiful to see that in the, in this situation. You kind of look behind you and it's like Reiki over here and astro projection and all this kind of stuff. But then you've got here, you know, Christians just just pleading to God to move and to, and to bring true freedom because true freedom is ultimately only found in Jesus. Um, and so we were doing a Bible reading marathon. We were, we were reading the the Bible from Genesis to Revelation on the lawn of Parliament. It takes 79 hours. We were there doing that. We were praying. We were worshipping. We were preaching the gospel. And God had put on my heart to baptize people. <laughs> and we didn't have a pool. We didn't even have anybody to baptize. It was like, we'll figure it out, I guess. But we ended up getting a pool. And uh, on the day, on the Saturday, which was the day that they had the big rally, you know, I believe that there was over 500,000 people there. Like, I'm, I'm confident that that's like a conservative uh, estimate based on like how many people were off to the side in the bushes. There was more people off to the side in the bushes on either side than there were actually on the field. And I would say easily 500,000 people. Some people say over a million. I'm like maybe a little bit. I'm not sure if I'd go there, but 500,000 people, which is the most people that have been on the lawn 
of Parliament since the 80s, and the, the police said that. Um, so it was a big day down there, and this was the day that the Lord said, I want you to baptise people. So we're sort of in this crowd, and we take off to the Canberra House of Prayer where we were staying to get this pool, and we start blowing it up, and it's like this pool is massive. Like, not massive, it's not as big as your pool, but it's like as far as like a baptism pool goes, this is like more than what we need, and we don't have any water. So we're starting to think like, where are we going to get some water from? And we found these two drums, these two 15-litre drums at the House of Prayer, and it's like, well, we got 30 litres, the pool's going to date like maybe 300 to 500 litres of water, but we got 30, so that's a start. Let's go and let's put this pool down in faith and let's pour in what we've got in faith and believe that God's going to bring the rest of the water. And so we do that, we rock up back at the place. God even had a car spot there when we got back because we're like, how are we going to get a car park back in this place um, if, if we go and come back? But there was a car park there for us and then we made our way through the crowd and this space just opened up right next to the stage. It was like God parted the Red Sea and there was this patch of grass just the perfect size for the pool and uh, there was a lifeguard there who'd lost his job because of the mandates and he's like, I'll be the lifeguard for your pool. And then this guy who I baptised in 2020 who actually ran into the water as I was baptising somebody else and said, please, can you baptise me? And so the girl who was just baptised and I baptised this guy in the water and this, I think, was the first time I've seen him since then. Um, and so he rocks up at that exact moment. I'm like, God is all over this. God is all over this. And so we put the pool down, we finish blowing it up, and we start pouring in our 30 litres of water. It doesn't even cover the surface of the bottom of the pool. So you get an idea of, like, this is the, the, the picture of it. Um, and there's people kind of laughing at us and, and that you're getting those kind of comments of like where are you going to get the water from you know what, what are you doing with the pool where are you going to get the water from you're not going to be able to fill that pool like you don't have enough water to fill the pool and i'm like pouring the pouring pouring the 30 liters in and i'm like you know we put this pool here in faith i believe that god's going to bring the water to fill this pool and so we got some more buckets. Emily, actually, she was there and she ran up to the to the, where the Bible reading marathon is and she got some more buckets. And we're running backwards and forwards with our buckets, doing what we can do. Doing what we can do. We've, we've, we've poured in our 30 litres in faith and then we're doing what we can do. And all the while we're sharing the gospel with people. People were coming asking about the pool and Jackie Ford was there. She led a few people to the Lord just who had come and asked about the pool. And then I came back with a bucket, poured it in, and a, and a young woman comes and she's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And explain to her, we're doing baptisms. And she's like, oh, I got baptised as a baby. Um, and I'm like, okay, and sort of explained um, what baptism means to us. And in that, shared the gospel with her and, and said, you know, do you want to make the decision as an adult for yourself, not because your parents said so, but for yourself, do you want to make the decision today to give your life to Jesus, make him the Lord of your life and be baptised? And she's like, yes. And I look over at the pool and there's about this much water in there. And I'm like, there's not enough water to baptise this girl, you know, like she's not going to get fully immersed. But, you know, if we put this on Facebook, people are going to be in the comments saying she's not fully immersed. And I'm like, these are the kind of thoughts that are going on in the back of my head, which is obviously not coming from God. And what I hear from God is I want you to baptise this girl by faith. And I don't even know what that means. I don't know where that lands theologically. Maybe she needs to be baptised again. But what the Lord said to me is baptise her by faith. And so we baptise her and we're splashing her like to make sure that she's fully well. <laughs> I'm like just like, try, like splashing my arms around trying to make sure that she gets fully wet. And we, we baptise her by faith and it was this powerful moment. She gets connected with some people in a local area up in Sydney who are discipling her now. And then I go with my bucket to get another bucket of water to fill the pool. As I'm coming back, a water truck pulls up. And the roads are closed. The roads are closed around Parliament House uh, because of the protests. So, so you can't get a, get a truck in there. But the Australian Federal Police, we found out the day after, 
had made a special exception for this water truck to come in because people were dehydrated on the field. And so Jesse, our friend, uh, I don't know, Jesse was thinking of coming tonight. He might have got stuck in the rain. But he goes up and he's like, hey, we're trying to fill this pool for baptisms. Can you help us out? And the guy drives his truck over to the baptism pool and he's filling it up. And as he's filling it up, I see the name of the water company is Abel. God is able. God is able. We, we put the pool on the ground in faith. We poured our 30 litres in in faith. We ran backwards and forwards with our buckets in faith, doing what we could do. We baptised this girl in faith, but all the while we know that God is going to fill the pool with water. He is going to do what only we can do. And, and I just feel like it's even a word for this place because you've planted a church in faith. <laughs> you know, you plant a church in faith. Whatever you do, you do by faith. As, as, a, as a believer, we, we live by faith, not by sight, but by faith. And so this place has been planted in faith and God is going to bring the water. <laughs> God is going to bring the water. He's going to do what only he can do. Josh and Elise and the boys, they're going to do what they can do. You guys are going to get around them and you guys are going to do what you can do. But God is going to do what only he can do. And it's going to be exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond anything that you could ever ask, think or imagine according to his power working through you. Amen. This is, this is the God that we serve. He's awesome. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it around for good. You know, that day could have got really messy. There's a lot, there was a lot of Christians there, but there were a lot of people there who were quite angry as well. There was a lot of beautiful families and, and elder, elderly people and things like that just, just coming there to, to stand for freedom in our nation. But there were some, some rogue elements as well. And that day had the potential to get ugly. But that day finished with a baptism because what happened was... We started worshipping the Lord after he's filled the pool. We're just excited. Like we, This is a sign and a wonder, not just for right there and now, but for the nation. I believe that that was a sign and a wonder for the nation of Australia, that Jesus is Lord and that he is going to have the victory because the battle belongs to him and him alone. And so we're worshipping the Lord and this guy comes along carrying a cross. You might have seen Kevin Mad Dog carrying the cross around, you know, like a big cross. And I'm thinking, cool, this guy's an evangelist. He's coming, to, he's coming to do some evangelism. And he walks up and he puts the cross near the pool. And then an older guy comes in. He points at the younger guy and he's like, this guy needs to be baptized. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? And it turns out what had happened was the older guy, it was his cross. And he was up at the Bible reading marathon tent. He was, he was a bit puffed really hot day and he was having a rest up in there but after he left there this young guy sees him struggling to carry his cross and the young guy says can I help you carry your cross <laughs> come on and so the young guy starts carrying the older guy's cross and he's like where do you want me to carry it to and the older guy sees the baptism pool and he's like just carry it over there for us and so he carries his cross up to the baptism pool he lays it down he gives his life to Jesus and he gets baptized on the lawn of parliament and that was what happened at the end of the day you know as the crowds as the crowds dispersed we worship the Lord on the lawn of the parliament of Australia we worship the Lord we baptize this guy we preach the gospel and and that was that was how the day finished. It started with prayer and worship and it finished with prayer and worship and this glorious baptism. And it was powerful. It was like seriously like one of the most powerful things I've ever witnessed. And I just know that, that it's a sign and a wonder for Australia that, that he's on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is king and he's going to have his way. And... He is going to take what the enemy meant for evil and he's going to turn it around for good. But the, the thing is, here's the thing, is that we get the privilege of partnering with God in taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it around for good. So we, we don't have to. He doesn't force us. But we actually get this privilege, you know. We get the privilege, you know, like 
he, he gave me the, the word about the baptism, but I could have just said no. I could have been like, oh, no, like, where am I going to get the world from? I don't even have anyone to baptize. You know, like, I could have made up excuses of why not to. And probably nobody would have blamed me. But there was this prophetic possibility, this prophetic unction that I had the option to say, yes, I will do it. Even if I look like a fool pouring in my 30 litres of water into this pool, I'm going to do it in faith, knowing that God's going to do what only he can do. So we get the opportunity. We get the opportunity to partner with him in taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it around for good. And it's the most glorious opportunity. It's the most glorious privilege you know, to see a life transformed by the power of the gospel is the most wonderful thing that you'll ever witness in your life. It's so wonderful. Jesus is so wonderful. And the third testimony that I wanted to share with you tonight is from the Sunshine Coast. We went up to the Sunshine Coast. I, I sort of finished up in Canberra and I've come up here. Uh, spent a weekend in the, in the Sunshine Coast last weekend. Uh, spoke at a youth ministry and then did an evangelism training and outreach. Uh, and then I've come down the coast, done a few different things, and then I'm here this weekend. But I'm up in the Sunshine Coast. Last Saturday, we're doing this outreach in Caloundra, I think it was. I'm still not sure about the pronunciations of all the different places. Uh, but we're doing this outreach in Caloundra, and I meet this young guy named Gabe with his parents. And Gabe has a pretty severe disability. He's in a wheelchair can't speak very much, uh, only really has action in, in one of his arms. And uh, we meet Gabe and, and I'm just like, hey guys, Jesus loves you out on the street. And they're like, we're Christians. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And we're like chatting away. It's like, is there anything that we can pray for you guys for? And they're like, we'd love you to pray for our son. But he's been prayed for a lot for healing. Uh, he just really needs to know how much God loves him. And so we're just there like loving on Gabe and just blessing Gabe. And then I do pray for him for healing. I declare healing in his body, but Gabe doesn't get healed. And, yeah, I can't explain why sometimes we see the miracle and sometimes we don't. Like, And I don't really need to because my expectation isn't based on my experience. My expectation is based on the Word of God. It says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that's what I expect every time. If I pray for somebody, if I declare healing in somebody's body, I believe that they are going to get healed 100% of the time. Sometimes the experience doesn't line up with it. It's like that song that we were singing before, Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And so so we, we, we pray for him. He doesn't get up out of the wheelchair. But you know what he says to me? He says, can I come with you and do what you're doing? And and so I get, I get like, I'm like, yes, please come. And, and we're pretty much towards the end of the outreach and, and uh, we get together and have testimonies at the end of an outreach, like anyone who came out with us yesterday, we, we got together and we had some testimonies at the end, which, and then we pray for all the seeds that we've sown. And, and so we're, we're doing this, uh, he comes along and, and we're worshipping the Lord together, we exchange hats, I give him my hat, he gives me his hat, he plays on my guitar a bit and we're just really hitting it off. And then he says, when can we do this again? And we'd heard about an outreach that night and I was like, well, let's go along to this outreach tonight, but let's have dinner first because I was hungry. So we went and got Indian together and we, uh, we go to Lou with a view at uh, Malula Bar. Okay, I'm getting smiles. I got it right. Lou with a view at Malula Bar we go to and just do like a really short training with, with Gabe. So, you know, the love, like, you know, he struggles to talk, but it's like if he can tell somebody that Jesus loves them, then, you know, they, they're going to feel loved by God. And then we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, that as, as a believer, you know, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so 
I love to shake and bake as much as every other Pentecostal believer when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, you know, there's an experience, there's a, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a, you know, the Holy Spirit ministers to us in ways that only the Holy Spirit can minister to us. There's an experience. But that power has a purpose because it doesn't stop there. It says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So every believer is a witness. If you're saved... If you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're a witness. That power has a purpose. The power of the Holy Spirit in our life has a purpose and that it would be that we would be a witness of the testimony of Jesus to the people around us. So we talk about this, we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then we go. And I'm like, Gabe, uh, you lead the way, bro. Like, you just go, like if Holy Spirit lights someone up to you, you just, you just go up to them and let them know that Jesus loves them. And he had some hope cards as well. Hope cards is just like a little resource that we put together. It's my ministry's hope movement. It's part of Youth for Christ Australia. I won't talk too much about it, but just for context, the hope cards is a little resource that we can give to somebody. It's a seed. There's, there's a website on there. They can go hear the gospel. They can hear testimonies and things like that. You can check them out over there afterwards. But So he's got a handful of hope cards, and there you go. Hope dealer over here. And, uh, and so he's got those and he's got Jesus loves you. He's got the power of the Holy Spirit. And he drives up to this guy. He goes, this guy. And you drive straight up to him and he's there with his wife. And he's like, Jesus loves you. And they're like, we're Christians. There's lots of Christians up here. Seem to like meet a lot of Christians as he's going out and about. And you can just encourage them. And it turns out like the, the wife was going through some stuff. So we pray for her. And then Gabe gets a word of knowledge. He says, your, your shoulder... Uh, you've got pain in your shoulder and Jesus wants to heal that and and she's like yeah I had surgery in my shoulder it's never healed and so he puts his hand on her and after praying twice her shoulder is completely healed it's like wow and uh you know I'm like this is incredible and then he's like, okay, time to go. next next one, I think he said. And I'm like, yeah, like you just got to like hang with these guys for a little bit. Like, like let's just hang. And, and so he's like already like driving off to the next one. And I'm like, so nice to meet you guys. Hey, check out this website. <laughs> and I follow him. We go to the next, next people. And he's like, Jesus loves you. You've got pain in your back and pain in your hip, Jesus wants to heal you. And the guy's like, how did you know? And before you know it, Gabe's reaching out his hand, he lays his hand on this guy's back, and this guy's back and his hip are healed, he's up dancing, and this pretty much just carries on for the next hour. And I'm just like, I'm just a spectator in this, I'm just like kind of filling in, filling in the gaps and things like that, but I got tears flowing down my eyes because I'm like, and this kid's got every excuse not to be out here doing this, you know. He hasn't, he hasn't experienced the healing miracle for himself. He hasn't seen the miracle for himself. He's got every excuse not to be out there sharing his faith, letting people know that God loves them and, and praying for people for healing. But here he is with the biggest smile on his face. Like, the biggest smile on his face that you've ever seen. And he's just out there just... And people, like, as we're sharing, like, people are, like, crying. They're tearing up. And, like, Christians, most of the people that we spoke to were Christians. And they're, like, tearing up, like, tears falling down their face. And you could see the conviction in coming upon them that, like, wow, like, if, if Gabe can do this, what's my excuse? And I'm feeling convicted. I'm like, God, what are you about to ask me to do? <laughs> because, <laughs> like, after this, I can't say no. After this, I can't say no. And I was thinking about it yesterday because it was pouring down rain. And, and it was like, you know, we could have had every reason. Nobody would have, nobody would have like, held it against us if we're just like, oh, we're going to cancel this evangelism training and, and we're not going to go do outreach because it's like, you know, torrential rain. Like, nobody would have thought less of us for that. But we went and I was amazed at how many people turned up for the training and then we go out on the street and seven people gave their lives to Jesus last night. 
and it's like this is the this is the power of obedience one of my favorite stories in scripture is in in acts chapter 9 it's about a guy named ananias ananias is like you know the unsung hero for me really uh, in the whole story because it's in the the conversion of, of Saul you could you, you could blink and miss it you know Saul is on his way to Damascus to basically persecute the Christians the followers of the way he has this encounter with Jesus he's blinded he ends up at this house and then it goes to this story about this guy named Ananias who's there in the presence of the Lord spending time with God and he gets these five words of knowledge uh, go to this street this house find this person he's blind and I've shown him that you're coming to, to heal him basically and Ananias straight away is like not that guy <laughs> this guy's a bad guy and I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing it all but you know he's like he knows who Saul of Tarsus is and he's like that guy's a bad guy he's here to persecute people like me <laughs> and so there's this little wrestle and I, I don't know if, if, if you <laughs> I've been doing this for a while and I have these like every great story that I have every great testimony that I has has this little wrestle where like God's asking me to do something completely crazy and I'm going are you sure God that sounds a little bit crazy you know, like, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I have this little tug of war with God, but he wins because he's the best and he's awesome and he's always right, which is sometimes kind of frustrating. But so God obviously wins this little tug of war match with Ananias and he goes to the house and, and meets Saul. Saul, his eyes are opened. Saul is born again. Uh, and immediately goes and starts to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and, and uh, he then becomes Paul and Paul writes most of the letters that we now know as the New Testament and you know the church expands and we're kind of here because of this guy named Paul but a lot of us don't think about this guy named Ananias because he's simple yes it's like I kind of think of like what would have happened if he said no because, like, considering the consequences of this one guy saying no helps you understand the importance of his yes. Because if he said no, like, would Saul have got saved? Would his eyes have been opened? Would he have preached the gospel to the Gentiles? Would he have written the glorious books that we now read? And, you know, would, like... What would have happened if he just goes, no, God, I don't want to talk to that guy? <laughs> Obedience is greater than sacrifice. It's something that I've been just hearing a lot lately. Obedience is, is greater than sacrifice. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. What is the Lord asking you to do tonight? What what is the Lord put on your heart? I remember this story about the Argentine revival. I can't remember it exactly, but basically it was a prayer meeting and a failed missionary, like he put on these tent crusades nobody showed up nobody got saved blew all of his money and went up in the attic and he's fasting and, and praying and the lord basically says to him i care more about the posture of your heart than the contents of your stomach and so he begins to pray and invite other people to pray with him and he ends up with like a this sort of disjointed prayer meeting of a couple of backslidden christians uh praying in a room together each night for four hours and he's pretty much the only one praying and at the end of the prayer meeting he would say what is the lord asking you to do that would require an obedient response on your behalf and everyone would say nothing 
and this one woman would say, he's asked me to bang on the table with my hand and, and he's like, okay, will you do it? And she's like, no, that'd be foolish. <laughs> and so they finished the prayer meeting, second night, same thing happens at the end of it. Is there anything that the Lord is asking you to do that would require an act of obedience on your part? Everyone's like, no. Nah. And this woman's like, I still feel like the Lord wants me to bang my hand on the table. And, and like, will you do it? No, nah, that would be foolish. And third night, and I believe it was the fourth night, he gets kind of halfway through the meeting and he's like, okay, <laughs> we're not getting anything else. We're just going to do the, the hand on the table thing. And so they gather around and they sing the song. And at the end of the song, they bang their hand on the table and the Holy Spirit comes in the room, the, the woman starts repenting because of her disobedience the night before, this other woman starts singing like an angel, and this, this, this move of God happens, like God starts to, to move in this place, more people come, and this was the beginning of the Argentine revival, which is still happening today. Months later, uh, they, they actually the, the room obviously got so full that they moved into a stadium. The stadium ended up getting so full that the, the government stepped in and they said, you can't use that stadium anymore, it's unsafe. So we're going to give you another stadium. So the government say, you can use this stadium. They didn't charge them for it. And there was like millions of people. Within, I think in the space of 51 days, there was, there was millions of people came through this stadium and thousands and thousands of people were saved. And that was, that was the start of the Argentine revival that has continued to burn and to burn and to burn and to burn right until this very day. And it all started with this woman banging her hand on the table. Obedience is greater than sacrifice and sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense. I'm sharing this story right now. I didn't plan to share this story, but I felt like the Lord was like, talk about that, even though I couldn't remember the details exactly. But I believe that the Lord is each and every single one of us. I don't even feel like this is just for some. I believe that this is for all. Every single person in this room, the Lord is, is tugging on your heart. He's been tugging on your heart in different ways asking you to do different things, probably not one the same. But what is it that the Lord's been asking you to do that would require an obedient response on your behalf? Maybe you're here tonight and it's like you haven't given your life to Jesus. You know, that's step, step one. Get right with God. Step one, get right with God. You know, the Bible says that he's, he's knocking on the door of your heart. But the, the door handle's on the inside. Like, he can't force him his way. He's like going to kick down the door and be like, ah, here I am. He's knocking gently at the door of your heart. And he's like, would you invite me in? You know, would you open the door? Would you let me in to your life? You know, we, we try to do life our own way. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've tried things to do things our own way and it just ends up in a brokenness. That's what happened to me. I tried to live my, my own way and it, it was messed up. Yeah, it was fun at first maybe, but I ended up in the most broken of broken places that you could possibly end up. But Jesus, Jesus came and died the death that I deserved to pay the price that I couldn't pay to bring me back to God, to bring me back to the plumb line, to bring me back to that point of, of sitting at his feet and saying, God, help me. <laughs> I can't do this without you. And maybe you're here tonight and it's like, I need God. I need God to help me. I've tried doing things my own way. Maybe you've even tried to get right with God on your own. That's religion. Religion is knowing all about God but not knowing him. Tonight maybe God's pulling on your heart and he's saying, I'm here, I'm here, I love you and I want to help you but you need to invite me in. Maybe God's asking you to do something else. As I've been speaking, you know, three kind of different stories, but they've all got this 
kind of one theme of God taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it around for good. Maybe there's a ministry, maybe there's a business, maybe there's something that the Lord's had on your heart to do and you've been in that wrestling phase of like, like, are you sure God? That sounds a little bit crazy, like I, I don't know. I just feel like tonight is a night to say yes to him. In whatever way, shape or form, he's asking you to respond. Whatever, whatever that, that is that, that is that is tugging at your heart about. I just want to make room. I just want to make room and I'm going to do just a little bit more. We're going to come back into a time of worship and, and ministry. Uh, but I just want to make room for everybody just to respond to God in, in their own way. There's, there's room here at the front. Like if you, if you want to just come and like I did that night and, and just sit at the feet of Jesus and, and cry out to him and say, help me and do that. If you need healing, come to Jesus. You know, we can pray for you. It's a little bit hard when I'm pl- playing on the guitar. I'd, I'd love to lay hands on everyone. But you know what? It's not me anyway. <laughs> You know, Josh shared yesterday in the in the uh, in the evangelism training. You know, you don't have to lay hands on people. You know, I believe that people are going to come. People are going to take a step of faith and come out here, out the front, believing for healing, and no one's even going to pray for them. But Jesus is going to heal them tonight. That night, like I didn't pray a prayer or anything like that. I didn't even think anybody prayed for me. I really just came to God authentically in humility and, and said, God, I need your help. <laughs> I invited him into my life. I believe people are going to come and, and just, just pray that same simple prayer and, and give their life to Jesus tonight. Maybe God's asking you to say yes to a ministry. Maybe God's asking you to say yes to a business. Maybe there's something else, some kind of yes that the Lord is is asking you for right now. So I'm just going to transition and we're going to just start kind of ministering in, in, in worship. And I just invite you to come. If that's you and, you and you need to give your life to Jesus tonight, just come. Just come to him. This isn't about me. This is about you and him. I did this 20 years ago and it was the best thing that I ever did in my whole life. You've been listening to a Zion Church podcast. For more information about Zion Church, go to zionchurch.info. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash zionchurchgc. And on Instagram, we're at zionchurchofficial. 